You're listening to MHD Off the Record South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Franco Vega, founder and CEO of the Right Way Foundation, an organization that helps transition-age foster youth get and keep good jobs and stable housing despite overwhelming trauma they have endured throughout their lives. They provide the support and tools youth need to build stability and a sustainable future for themselves. Franco has many years of experience in employment services, starting by teaching rites of passage to transition-age foster youth with the Department of Children and Family Services. He also created an employment center for recovering addicts and the homeless at the Midnight Mission on Skid Row. Enjoy the show. So welcome, Franco Vega. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you because (laughs) I've known about your organization for many years now, And it's good to see that you guys are still active, still growing and doing so much. Correct. And before I get all gushy about it, I want I want everyone to know more about your organization, what you guys do, how you started. So can you tell us about the inspiration behind founding the Right Way Foundation and the work you do with transition age foster youth? Well, uh, once again, thank you for having me. Small World is our second interview, but I'm excited. Uh, Very excited. uh, We have grown since our last interview. But yeah, I started this foundation in 2011 um, just to really fill the void of the foster care system. I'm an orphan myself, so I've lived experience. So I understand how what it what it is to grow up in trauma and then not have the proper adult support leaving the system and then how that plays in adulthood and it could mess you up, you know? And so that was my thought process behind creating the Right Way Foundation. And now, uh, what, uh, over a decade later, we're still running, you know, and we have grown. Um, we, we started off as an employment center, but then we recognized right away that in jobs wasn't the answer. Uh, we needed mental health services. And then uh, we tied that into jobs and then full circle, when COVID hit, we recognized that basic needs needs to be met, you know, uh, and basically housing. So now we do housing, therapy, and jobs simultaneously all under one roof. So uh, we have a COO uh, who is our lead therapist, Andrea, and she controls the mental health team. But th- those therapists are just not those typical therapists. The days of you just sitting back hearing people's problems are over. We need to come up with solutions and give our youth the tools to get over their trauma. I know that's a lot, but, you know, that's our program in a nutshell. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot because, you know, for someone who thinks like, OK, there's employment services, that in itself is a lot. Mm-hmm. Trying to give people jobs all in itself is a lot. Correct. Trying to get people jobs and therapy is a lot. Correct. Trying to get people jobs, therapy, and housing in a city like L.A. <laughs> is a lot. It so is. So absolutely, it does it, sound like a lot. But the fact that you've been doing this because you care, mm-hmm. because you have your own experiences, this says a lot. Mm-hmm. But more than that, it's the fact that you were able to see that it was more than just employment. Correct. And you didn't stop there. Because Correct. I think a lot of times people don't understand the impact of trauma correct and how just giving people a job isn't enough correct can you talk a little bit more about that well um we go backwards now meaning that housing comes first and we get them into their own apartment or shared living you mean basic needs basic needs that seems so common sense yeah, but correct. how often do we not start there it never Right. Never. We don't start there. Uh, But right away, we start there and then we give them their housing and then we go into mental health services right away. 
And then after, let's say, 60, 90 days, then we implement the real employment or paid internships. We give them time to get grounded, you know, similar to recovery like AA. And so that's our model in a nutshell. Um, the, but the housing is, like you said, in L.A. County, where it is expensive, uh, we subsidize the rent. We use our own credit. So I will put down my own credit for these youth because I know I have their funding. So there's no eviction. It's just that we need to make sure they don't burn down the facility. <laughs> right. It, it, that That's a tricky part, but we haven't since COVID. And so it's been an eye opener. It's right. been an eye opener. And so, yeah, that's that's how we operate. So for people who may not know, can you explain what it means to be a transition age youth versus a foster youth? Well, transition age youth is just an age group. Sometimes it can be 16 for our transition age youth, we take them at 18 to about 26 years old. So 18 to 26 year old is a transition age youth. We just deal with specifically foster care youth or reentry youth. And sometimes the reentry youth is the same as a foster youth. They went into the foster care system and then they broke the law and switched over to the criminal justice system. Still the same kid, you know. So that's basically it for us. So you specifically work with young people who are in that age range who've experienced the foster system or in the foster system or who have experienced the criminal justice system. Correct. Correct. So what are some of the needs that you found within that population of transition age youth that have been barriers to getting things like employment or housing? Ooh, um, sadly, our kids go into the system and they don't recognize that it's their own life. They have to take control of their own life. Um, they don't understand that it wasn't their fault. So we have to start there with the motivation piece. We have to uh, help them understand that they can control their own destiny. Destiny, um, You know, we use the term trauma-informed and things like that, but it goes back to really rites of passage, you know, to know thyself, a personal rite of passage. You know, we do, once again, I'm gonna bring up trauma-informed, but we don't come from trauma. You know, some of us come from African kings and queens. Mm. And that's where we get back to the root. You don't come from trauma. You know, that's the people who create the trauma now want to create trauma informed. And it's just making money. Man, listen, you speak in my language. That's <laughs> something that I always think about. Because yeah. what's interesting is a lot of the healing practices, and we've had one of our highlights was Tree Yoga Co-op. And we've talked to them and we talked about healing and, and meditation and, and the different ways that a lot of these traditions have existed for hundreds of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Ancient Kemet, they mm -hmm. also have Kemetic Yoga at Tree mm -hmm. Yoga Co-op. Mm -hmm. Check out that episode if you have not already. I, I had, to, had to plug that. <laughs> um, but how all these healing practices that have just since the like the 60s and mm -hmm. 70s have now been validated, quote unquote, Correct. have been a part of our culture and traditions for so long. Correct. And they're selling it back to us. Correct. Correct. Like the intimate fasting. <laughs> Intermittent fasting is yeah. another perfect example of that, Excuse right? Me. Correct. So I, I love what you're saying. That's a very good point because mm -hmm. we don't come from trauma. Mm -mm. Trauma is something that happened mm -hmm. to us, Correct. right? Yeah. It's not us. No, it's not. We come from so much more. So much more. And once you get the youth to understand that, um, sky's the limit. Um, we don't really focus in on, and I'm talking about the system doesn't focus on mental wellness, wellness being, you know. We go back to the basics, just compliment the kids when they walk in. You know, you'll see a young lady coming to our center. She looks down and depressed and we'll remind her, you're a beautiful young lady. Go look in the mirror. Stop it. And then we'll change. We'll change her. And you just got to keep complimenting our kids, um, similar to when you're raising a little kid. 
you know, positive reinforcement. But our kids do not get that. And we have to give it to them at the age that they are right now. And sadly, that's something as me growing up in the system, I got it at 15, 16 by a foster parent. I didn't get I love you not one time from my mom. When she died when I was 15, not one time she told me I love you, my biological mom. And so that really hurt me. But then I had a foster parent who filled that void. So that's the motto. I'm trying to fill that void for our youth. You know, it's just over 800 youth we have in our program. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of I love you. It's stretching (laughs) us out very thin, but it's so much reward factor that comes out of it. And one of the things that we know that does help to mitigate the impacts of trauma and toxic stress is close, protective, healthy, loving relationship. Mm -hmm. We know mentors have that impact. We know foster parents that are loving have that impact. And I think that was such a valid point that it's, you know, we have to counter those things that many of us have been taught. And if we were raised in abusive households, right? Correct. You have to counter that. Even though we're adults, even though we're 16, 17, 18, 19, you think, oh, they should have it by now. But if you haven't heard it your whole life, you need to hear it now. Correct. And I love that you guys are doing that. That's part of the, I'll say, deprogramming, reprogramming. Correct. And now we're able to say, okay, listen, we have a new voice, new tape in our head. We don't have to have the old tape of you're not this, you're not that. Because that's what happens when our children are experiencing trauma Mm -hmm. and they have a trauma response. Mm -hmm. Which we you know people call those quote unquote bad behaviors. Correct, correct, right? correct, correct. I don't call them that. I call them trauma responses. Yes. <laughs> They're responding to that trauma. We'll label the child. We'll mm-hmm. call them names. We'll say you're this, you're mm-hmm. that. Why can't you just get it together? Mm-hmm. And you're saying we don't even do that. Nope. We don't focus on the labels. Our therapy, our mental health team, uh, we don't diagnose anyone. Um, we don't want to do that uh, because no, those are just labels, you know, the ADHDs and ADDs and all the initials, you know, um, no, that's just a money ploy. You know, now you do have some youth that have some deep mental issues, schizophrenia and stuff like that. We're not denying that, but that's not the majority of our youth. Mm -hmm. Our youth are just suffering from lack of love. And to back up what you're saying, Mm -hmm. and most people don't know this, there are actually more and more studies coming out that are backing up exactly what you're saying. They're finding that some of these, what's in the DSM, they're saying, wait a minute, there's actual things that are leading to these behaviors. They're not, you know, diseases, they're disorders. Correct. Correct. Like oppositional defiance disorder, right? (laughs) I'm calling that one out. That one used to irritate me a lot. I used to work work in... um, for the Departmental Health Wraparound Services. There you go. So that yeah. ODD was so common. I'm like, how do yeah. all these kids have ODD, yeah, oppositional correct. defiance? They yeah. don't want to listen to you. It's a disorder. Yeah, but, yeah. But, correct, correct, but, correct. But not, not taking into account, because most of the kids were in foster care, correct. not taking into account that these kids have experienced so much pain and mm-hmm. so much hurt. How can you trust the authorities around you? In fact, that we even call them authorities, but that's correct. a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely. So how are you able to get these young people employment? So we, you got them housing. Mm-hmm. You're getting them mental health services. How are you able to get them employment? Well, two approaches we use at Right Way Foundation and very unique. This generation, let's put foster youth to the side. Let's just talk about this generation. You have companies that can't hire. They can't find bodies right now. And we train the companies because they don't know how to work with this generation. Yeah, I want to talk about that too. The days of you yelling, barking orders, like how I grew up, you know, my paycheck was my thank you. It wasn't no, you know, that was the thank you. This is a different generation. And we teach corporate America how to work with our population. And that's been fascinating and eye-opener. Um, you know, we the old school mentality just doesn't work with our population. Our The thing I give credit with this generation is they will quit a job on the spot. I worked for bosses for six years who I hated. 
and couldn't have the guts to quit. This population, oh, I hate my boss, I quit. And I'm like, wow, that's commendable. However, we have to train our company. Well, we do train our companies on how to motivate, manage, and mentor our youth. So you have companies that directly work with you. Yes. They fund us. They pay us. They outsource us. Uh, we train government agencies, Department of Social Services, the city attorney's office, how to be trauma-informed, healing-centered, uh, most importantly, culturally competent. So that really comes first. Culturally competent, trauma-informed, healing-center, because if you can't reach them, you can't teach them. On the flip side, when we train our youth, we put them through a rigorous 32-hour training called Operation Emancipation, where there's no excuses. If you come show up late, we don't pay you. We dock you. If you keep showing up late, we'll recycle you and be like, look, you got to start all over. And they don't mind. They get mad. But we're like, we're not kicking you out. You just got to start all over because you can't cheat. You can't cheat a marathon. You know, mm -hmm. and this is a marathon. So it's like a training. It's, it's, it's an actual training, training. not yeah. just a training like, oh, you're going to learn some skills. You're no. going to learn some skills, but we're going to teach you some real, real deep diving skills. Yeah. We're going to teach them how to deal with their triggers, uh, especially for our young black boys. They will have uh, nine times out of ten in customer service, you're going to have a black female supervisor. They'll have mommy issues. That black woman is not yelling at you because she's your mother. She's trying to get you to work better. So we train on that. We deal with triggers. We deal with uh, the basics, showing up on time, smiling, how to not bring your attitude uh, to work. You know, drop it, leave it at the door because your attitude will be there when you get off. Mm -hmm. Pick it up then or get over it. You but, know? you know, the thing that fascinates me about what you're saying mm -hmm. is that while you have this approach, because this is what people miss, mm -hmm. not that the young people need to be trained. Because I think most people know that part. Yeah. You said you train the organizations, you train the companies, you train the city attorney's office. Like, yeah, you're training people how to work with them as well. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're telling them, okay, I'm going to train you how to do this mm -hmm. and behave a certain way and do these things. So that's what all these, especially young, I would say young black men get that all the time, mm -hmm. right? Correct, correct. Pull up your pants and, yeah. you know, get a haircut. Yeah. You know, all these things they'll tell people, young people. But you're also saying, no, we're doing it on both ends. Correct. So that way we can both meet in a space where we can work together. Correct. Yeah, we've trained so many restaurants at LAX um, from uh, uh, Rock and Brews to Jersey Mike's. Uh, one of our great partners is Cruise 1972. And when we trained those managers, it was probably over 50 of them. They got to recognize some of their top management understood some of their supervisors need better training. They recognize after that training, it's like, oh, wow. It's our staff. It's our leadership. It's not the population. It's not the youth, you know, because one, you can't keep treating people like crap, yeah. barking orders, you know, smile. And I like what <clears> you <throat> said. Also, um, I, I saw a comedian on TV one day and she was saying basically the same thing. She said, this new generation used to just yell at them. She said, I thought you had to stay at a job until you retired. She said, these young generation, you talk crazy to them. They're just like, um, no, yeah. and I'm out. Correct. And that's very yeah. true. Correct. And because they don't have to deal with the bullying. Correct. So yeah. I always thought that too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. then I got, you know, re I realized I'd have to deal with that either. You know, I have to deal with bullying and all that. Yeah. But I think that's a really good point. They shouldn't have to put up with that. Correct. And you have to train employers as well yes. to say, look, you don't have to talk to people that way. And, and, I, and it's not effective for your business. And I'm going to use your line. It is bullying. I didn't recognize that until right now. It is a form of bullying. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to talk to companies. Like, <laughs> hey, you guys bully people. Because like, it's, <clears throat> I, I say this, and this is something that um, I realize when, especially dealing with our young people, mm -hmm. and this is something that I often talk about when I'm teaching, is there's this belief that when it comes to people who we feel to be subordinate mm -hmm. and 
we know that black and brown kids are often believed to be subordinate yeah. is you bark orders at yeah, them. Correct, you teach correct. them to follow orders. Yeah. It starts in schools, correct. right? Yeah. Think about our experiences in schools. Yeah. Get in line. Be yeah. quiet. Yeah. When I worked in schools in the hood, yeah. in the schools I grew up in, yeah. I went to schools in Inglewood and South Central, yeah. right? Get in line. Be quiet. Stop that. If you guys don't stop, I'm going to take it away. Correct, correct. When I was teaching in Redondo Beach. Oh, yeah. Different. Night and day. Night and day. Yeah. Doesn't feel like a prison. Doesn't feel like a prison. Everyone lined up wearing in the fact, same khakis. They, they trained us. You get down to eye level. You communicate with the children. You teach them how to get along. Mm -hmm. You don't just take the toy and walk off. You Correct. teach them how to communicate with the children. How do you negotiate? How do you get everyone's needs met at the table? Yeah. Yeah. They're taught how to be executives. We're taught how to follow orders. Yep. Right? Yeah, correct. You're 100% right. And then fast forward, yeah, we are trained how to follow orders. But right way, we have entrepreneurial classes, too. Oh, I love it. Operation Be so the Boss. So you teach them how to be executives as well. Yeah, yeah. Some of them have it in them. That of course. They don't need to work for no one else. They need to run the show. They need to be like the next uh, Jobs and Apple guy, <laughs> Steve Jobs and all these guys. Yeah. So you nurture that. Yeah. Heck yeah. And some of them were like, look, you have a gift. You're a leader. You're not a follower. And use it, you know? I love to hear all of, I love everything you're saying <laughs> because it's like I'm 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 getting excited because these are also the young people that so many other people are so quick to dismiss. Correct. Throw away. And throw away. Throw away. Right? Yeah. And sadly I was talking to my staff earlier. It's not a lot, you know. Uh, the foster care system, it is big in LA County, but on the big scheme of things, we have 1200 emancipate a year from LA County. Just 1200 young black and brown kids. And we can't get it right for them. I'm like, that's an easy task. And so I'm talking to attorneys and commissioners and government officials. And we're like, look, this is we're making this a bigger problem than what it is. We just need to come together because everyone should be servicing Maria. All of us should be working with Maria, not just right way. Mm -hmm. Every other Coco and everyone else, you know, coming together because the number is small. Um, so it's just fascinating. Right. And that is something that I know that Coco was working on is working kinship care. Yes. Right. And they work with people who like the, the families. Correct. So how do we, cause that's the other thing that, that gets missed. How do we support the families of people who are trying to support their transition age, transition age youth. Right. Correct. correct, correct. Cause if they don't have the resources, sometimes when you're 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. you rely on your family. Correct. And your family doesn't have the resources. Correct. And it, yeah, kinship care is what we push. That's why we love Coco. Um, everyone should be in kinship care, everyone. And we should fund kinship care. Like we fund stranger care. Oh, stranger care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We fund stranger care at 15,000 a month per youth. I, let's give the family at least 7,000 a month. Then. Right. They won't even, I don't think it's more than 1800 a month. Yeah. And it's not fair. It's not. So why would you pay a stranger over that grandmother? And you know it's in our culture for the grandmother to pick up slack. Right. So why not fund that beautiful old black woman? And we know the number one reason why a lot of these families can't stay together and are struggling in the first place is poverty. Poverty. Yep. We get punished for poverty. Punished for poverty. Punished for poverty. So as someone who has experienced trauma and adversity in your own life, mm -hmm. How do you use your personal experiences to connect with and support the youth in your organization that you work with? Never let them down. You know, a lot of grownups let me down or ignored me and didn't see. I was abused all through elementary until my mom died and no one took the opportunity to even ask me what's going on. You know, mm. why would I come to school and I'll be wearing bomber jackets in 90 degree weather knowing I was hiding my scars. Mm. So first, a person who have lived experience. I recognize when a kid is uh, sad and out, you know, everything that I wanted as a youth, we put into Rightway Foundation. We celebrate birthdays, Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, 
Christmas on Christmas Day, New Year's on New Year's Day. So we have events on those days where I personally show up. You know, I don't I don't require my staff as only volunteer, but I do show up because I know how it feels to watch all your friends and neighbors open up Christmas gifts and you have nothing. And so I brought that into the Right Way Foundation, the family atmosphere, um, the family environment. You know, uh, it's just a unique approach. And it sounds like that's all, also how you're developing your organization is Correct. you're taking that personal experience. Mm-hmm. And so you know what an organization needs to deliver Correct. to the young people. Correct. I've had other folks that don't look like us try to shoot down our model. And I'm like, our model is based off love. See, the difference is I love my youth and you funders don't. You guys mm. just doing it for numbers and it's a feel good for you guys. No, you know, it only becomes feel good for us when our kids are successful. Mm, not the when results. they enroll in our program. We even tell our youth in our housing program, I'm not here to collect rent from you. I don't need your rent. I need your success. And our guys have a hard time with that. They're like, I'm paying you the rent. A little measly $600. I'm like, I don't need your money. I need your success, brother. Get up and do something, you know? And so that's one of my main philosophies. But my second one is um, what I learned in the military is, um, you know, and this is a funny real quick story. In the Army, we were always there to protect the country. For three years, I had to be on alert from four to eight hours ready to go to war. Three years. When I get out of the Army, people in the nonprofit world say I can't be there for my community the same way. I'm like, wait a minute. You mean I can't be 24-7 for my community? Mm-hmm. I did it for the Army. Why can't I do it for my community? And it leaves people speechless. Because we always, I always answer my phone. You know, I tell my staff to probably shut down their phone sometime and just let me handle it. I'm still the CEO. I don't expect, and, and this is just be brutally honest, I don't expect my staff to work as hard as I do, but they do. But I, I, I take that amongst myself to put in that effort. But they probably do because you do. Yes. Because it also, you know, they can see the vision that you have. Correct. And I want them to run. We have three centers, Inglewood, Long Beach, and South Central. And we are going to expand, and I want to take my 13 staff that I have right now to all, they run a right-way foundation somewhere, from Minnesota to New York to Hawaii. Yeah. So you want to see this grow. Oh, yeah, definitely. We want to make sure that, because the tiers are the same. You getting the same abuse in New York or Brooklyn is the same in South Central. The the abuse is all the same. So what helped you really build this vision? Because, I mean, it's one thing to go from, I, mean, I get that you have these experiences, but sometimes we have these experiences, but we don't always have that vision. I'm the, I'm the person that when people tell me I can't do it, I fuel off of that. I take my pain and turn it into power. Um, so, yeah, that's where I got it from. People told me in 2011, don't do what I'm about to do at Rightway Foundation. They said, stay away from foster youth. DCFS social workers told me, don't service our kids. And I couldn't understand why they said it till years later. Because now I hold them accountable. I'm like, oh, that's what this is. You know, probation was easier to work with. Probation kids is easier to work with their system. So, yeah, I feed off of when people say you can't do something. So you you also have experience in the juvenile justice system. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that experience like for you as a youth? And what helped you realize that 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 system in itself is problematic? Well, I'm an ex-knucklehead for, for, the, for the audience, a gang member. And so I knew I'm not a hardcore gang member. I joined the gang because the gang was filling the void of my mom. My mom abused me so much. So when I ran to the streets, when my gang started abusing me, that was easy. And so, you know, but I saw the structure within gangs. You know, I knew gangs. They were a family, a sick family, but it was a family. And so um, that's why it was weird that I'm, I'm just very successful with that population. 
The only thing that I recognize is that when you touch the criminal justice system at a young age, they're grooming you to go to big boy prison. They want you to keep messing up, messing up, especially in this day and age. We're about to release a lot of people in camp from camps and put them back on the streets in South Central because we incarcerated them too much. But we're not giving them no services. We're not. We're just going to release them back on the streets. And that's going to be a disaster. And I'm not blaming the guys and the girls who are getting released because they shouldn't have been locked up in the first place. You know, they were punished due to poverty. Why would you steal a uh, lock up a young lady who was stealing clothes? Right. You know, she that's was stealing common. underwears and bras, you know, and now we gave her some felonies because they were high end underwears, you know. And so, um, yeah, I looked at that system, the prison industrial complex, and I know they're grooming them from when, we're, when I was little. And so I guess. I can I can see things before they happen. I look deep into everything from our government on down. And so I just make my maneuvers, you know. So one of the things that I always notice, though, is that sometimes people who are in that system, they almost believe in that system. It's scary. Almost. Right. It's like they yes. start to believe something is wrong with them and they will come out preaching the gospel mm-hmm. of no, something's wrong with this person, correct. not the system itself. Correct. 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 How did you avoid that trap in thinking? My foster mom says, love her. She's passed away, moved on Dolores. Um, but I, I say sadly because a lot of kids don't get a Dolores. You know, mm-hmm. um, this was a foster mom who heard me get abused from five years old all the way until the day my mom died. I was locked up in. LP, Los Padrinos, Juvenile Hall, and she showed up to foster me. The lady who heard my abuse for all those years, she showed up, not blood, you know, wasn't kinship care. And so I just needed, that one person helped me out. It was just that one person, put it that way. And she said something fascinating to me. Uh, she, They called me Frankie. She's like, Frankie, baby, you were a loser gang member when your parents were here. Now they can still see you. Are you still in a gangbang? And it really stuck with me. I didn't mm. want to do it no more. I was like, no, that's not me. You know, mm-hmm. even though my mom pushed me into the game, I'm not going to sit here and lie, sugarcoat it. My mom did a lot that, you know, when you don't tell your little baby boy you love him, you know, that's something wrong. And I wasn't a bad kid. I was a happy-go-lucky, spunky little baseball kid, football kid. But I don't yeah. even believe in the idea or concept of a bad child. Yeah. Only a child whose <laughs> needs haven't been met yet. Correct. You're 100% right. There's no bad kids. There's bad situations, you know. And sometimes our kids fall into it. Back to the criminal justice system. They put our kids in bad situations. So what you're saying is that when you did finally experience love, it helped you not fall into the trap that so many other young people or just people in general fall into of believing that this that they're the problem. Correct. That you are the problem. You mm-hmm. caused this to happen to you. That's what they beat into you mm-hmm. in these systems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, when I worked with young people um, in the foster care system and the criminal justice system, because a lot of my young people were also on probation, there was this belief that they were the problem. Correct. They caused all this because yeah. that's what people would tell them. Yeah. We sit in meetings. We sit in various meetings with our social workers. Mm-hmm. Why did you do this? Yeah. How could you have done this? You got to make better choices. Yeah. And here's this 14, 15, 16 year old in so much pain trying to figure out life. Like most of us are at 16. Correct. How many great decisions do we make at 16 anyway? <laughs> Even in the most yeah. ideal yeah. circumstances. Right. Correct. And now you have this person who's in very much less than ideal circumstances, mm-hmm. just trying to figure out life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're, Bullying, I call it bullying mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. We bully them trying to help them. Mm-hmm. We think we're helping them. Mm-hmm. Not me, because I was actually trying to help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you have people who just believe that helping them is berating them. Correct. They believe that, you know, if we continue to just tell them that they're wrong, that mm-hmm. they'll do quote unquote right. Correct. You're 100% right. 
And we always explain to our youth through our workshops is that, you know, sadly, foster kids and criminal justice kids, sometimes we got to We might get one chance at things and we got to get it right. That one chance. And we try to warn them because we're not the rich kids. Rich kids get chances, chances over and over and over again. Us in the system, we get one shot at it and they'll just skip us over. They'll forget. Oh, Franco didn't take advantage. Let me move on to the next kid. So we try to tell our kids, you guys got to be ready and you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve good things. You know, a lot of our kids don't understand. Uh, don't recognize that. That self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is real. It's real. But we don't come at them like you just said. We don't berate them. We'll tell them, we know you sabotaged this, but why did you do that? And let's correct it. You know, you deserve this house. You deserve this apartment. You know, some of our youth, uh, when we get them into their own apartment, bring over a lot of friends and party. We're like, no, we got to shut that down. You know, where was your friends at when you didn't have this apartment? You know? <laughs> Great question. You know, and try so, to make them think. Yeah, we, we do make them think. And so it's just a unique approach. I love that because it's all coming from love. Yes. And it's also, yeah. I think sometimes people think that, or they assume that when you have a quote unquote trauma informed approach, mm -hmm. that that also means that you're letting them get away with things. It's yeah. no, because you, you haven't taken away the fact that these are also people who need some sort of parenting in a way they need guidance they need coaching that love part still got to come Correct. with some su with actual support yeah. support yeah. doesn't mean you just let people do whatever it means hey how do i support you in making sure that you are able to make the decisions that are going to be beneficial to your life yeah well uh, we're in we're in spaces where they throw trauma in form like it's tic tacs <laughs> um, and uh, i can't throw people under the table but some people who believe in trauma informed don't understand accountability. That's the word. Yep. Accountability. accountability. How do we teach people to be accountable if we don't hold them accountable? And then we have to also hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. And that's how yeah. they really learn. Because when we mess up, yes. that time when we do snap, Correct. And you say, oh, you know, I shouldn't have talked to you like that. Yes. Because yes. I was wrong. Because yeah. we're also human. We're correct. also imperfect. Correct. correct. We make correct. mistakes. Correct. correct. And we hold ourselves accountable. That's also when they learn. That's also when they realize, wait a minute, if this person can hold themselves accountable, this person that I respect, this person that I know loves me and mm -hmm. cares about me, mm -hmm. and they can hold themselves accountable when they do something to me that I don't like. Correct. I know that I can do the same thing. I'm laughing because uh, I tell my staff, all staff, that when we make a promise, you better fulfill that promise. And if you promise some money, you should have got it approved before. But if it's not, if we don't have it in the budget, oh, we're going to put it in the budget now. Because you cannot lie to these kids. You have to deliver on everything, you know, from being at their graduation to buying them new furniture. Everything we promise, you got to deliver. Because when you don't deliver, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, you let me down like everyone else. Yep. And I do not want that as a, a reputation um, with the Right Way Foundation. I like that, and I hope you'll interview some of our kids in the future. They do say I'm tough. They're like, but, you know, they get mad at me. But then you'll hear them say, Franco comes from a place of love. I'm like, yeah, at least they can see that. Because there was a lot of people that got in my behind that I couldn't see love. I was like, you're just yelling at me. It's not coming from passion, you know? Right. You know, um, so, yeah. And yeah, and them loving and respecting you doesn't mean they're going to like everything you say and do. Yes. But they know that you stick to what you say. They mm -hmm. know that you are accountable. Correct. And you make sure that everything you do comes from love. Yes. I love everything about your organization. Thank you. Thank I have you, so much you. respect. Thank um, you. Thank you so much for joining us here. How can people support your organization and the work that you guys are doing? Well, go to our website, uh, therightwayfoundation.org, and you'll see us there. You can get all of our social media from there and just get involved. Uh, send us an email. Drop us an email from the website. 
You know, we're looking for housing support. You know, we're asking minimum $10 a month. That's it, $10, two Starbucks. And uh, we will take that $10 and we'll house more people. We're housing probably close to 60 folks right now. And we want to get up to 100 and stop there. We can't do it all. We're smart enough to say we can't do it all. But we're willing to share our knowledge and our so-called expertise with other organizations so they can be the next right way too. Because once again, we cannot do it all, but we can help people and we can conquer that mission that way. I love it. Is there anything coming up? Do you want us to announce or you want us to support? Um, what do we have coming up? Oh, uh, yeah, we have uh, financial literacy coming up um, where we teach our youth uh, how to balance their budgets, uh, run their credits, clean their credits, and we stipend them out $100 a month just to attend and we provide food and all that for them. So please, uh, if you're listening and you want to learn how to get out of poverty and you want to earn $100 while you're doing that, uh, get with the Right Way Foundation. And that's coming up soon. All right. So check out their website. We'll have all this information available for you in the show notes so you can get connected with the Right Way Foundation where they clearly do things the right way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, my dear. This is awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to MHD Off The Record. And special thank you to Felicia, the poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.